Hello and welcome into the Fog.net podcast. My name is Michael Swain, the Kansas beat writer for 24-7 Sports. Got a really good episode coming your way today. We're going to talk with Alec Bussey, who covers Iowa State for CycloneAlert.com. We're going to learn a lot about Iowa State. This is a big game for KU as they look to continue their role after their huge win over Oklahoma this past weekend. Now they're going to go into Ames and look to win their first game at Jack Trice Stadium since 2008 it's been a long time for KU it's been a tough place to play they're playing in probably the toughest time slot you can at Iowa State a night game 6 p.m kickoff I think the betting spread opened at about KU is a one-point favorite I think Iowa State's now in kind of that two and a half three-point range as of Wednesday but Alec this is your first season covering Iowa State I'm a former Iowa State beat alum what are you kind of thinking about the team and what's kind of been your experience like covering the team so far? Yeah, it's been great. Um, I love being with 24 seven, um, switch over from another network right before the season started. And it's been great. I love being able to connect with people like yourself and other people around the network. Um, everyone's super helpful. 24 seven is obviously the industry leader when it comes to, um, team site support, recruiting rankings, all those different things. And it's awesome to be a part of this, this company and then covering Iowa state's been, uh, really fun like they're five and three they've had a really kind of interesting season a lot of people i think wrote them off after they lost to ohio back in week three but they've now won four of five and they've looked pretty good doing it playing good solid complimentary football and now you get to november and the schedule i think it's really the hard part of the schedules up here in the last month with kansas a road game at byu um talk about bad time slots to play a game the 815 game central time 615 mountain time uh kick next week for for iowa state out in provo probably not great for the cyclones um and then your last two against texas and k-state so i think we're really going to find out how good this iowa state team is in the last month and i'm fired up to watch it matt campbell's already got you with the the phrases talking about complimentary football oh dude no i grew up in the midwest like i grew up in the midwest (laughs) watching Watching the Big Ten, I covered K State last year. It complimentary football. It's it's a Midwestern staple. Yeah, there you go. So let, let's go back to the start of the season because I think this is a very typical Iowa State season, right? Start slow, right? You know, demolish Northern Iowa, great, but then lose to Iowa and at Ohio, which for me was the moment I, I hit the panic button because Iowa State could not score. And this is a team that I think new quarterback with Rocco Beck. Obviously, Hunter Deckers is no longer on the team because of the the gambling stuff. And I, I just was very worried about Iowa State, considering the fact they couldn't score. The defense was still playing well, but it's a young unit. So how have they been able to turn this around? Where, like you mentioned, they've been on a bit of a hot streak over kind of the, the back end of September and, and into the month of October. Yeah, I think the biggest reason that Iowa State's kind of been able to win four or five is just overall consistency across the offensive line. In the first couple of weeks of the season, they really struggled to run block. They've always kind of been a pretty good pass blocking group. Um, left tackle James Neal will struggle at times for them. But across the front five, they've been really good um, in run blocking since the loss to Ohio. They came back from the loss to Ohio and played Oklahoma State, and they answered a true freshman, Brendan Black, um, at guard. And he... And so now turned into the first freshman offensive lineman to start at Iowa State since I think 2008. And he started um, every game except last week's game at Baylor, which I found to be a little bit interesting. They didn't start at Baylor coming out of the bye week, but he did play most of the second half. So it's really started to run the ball a lot better in the last month, um, five, six weeks. 
And as much as Rocco Bechtes, I think, surprised people this year with his ability to get the ball out on time, mostly be an accurate passer, good decision maker, um, he he's not someone who I think is going to necessarily elevate them to a ton of wins. Like he's not, he's not, he doesn't have the ability of like Dylan Gabriel, who I know didn't do it last week, as all of your listeners know, um, or Jalen Daniels, obviously is another guy who elevates KU a lot, but he does a really good job of not costing Iowa state very often this season. And I think that that is huge for them because their offense is pretty much a ground control territorial battle with, with the opposing team. And he's done a really good job of not hurting them in that area in the last month. And they've started to run the ball better with guys like Eli Sanders, freshman of Busama. Um, and then Cartavius Norton has started to kind of come around a little bit in the last couple of weeks as he's kind of overcome some injuries. Yeah. Rock is an interesting one because I think when he committed, I at least thought, Hey, this is a guy that is a junior could come in and start and be a guy that can, you can win football games with. And now that he's starting as a freshman, I think you nailed it. Like don't make mistakes. Don't cost Iowa state games, but at the skill positions, you know, wide receiver, they lost Xavier Hutchinson after last season at running back. Right. Cartavius Norton was really good at the start of last season. He got hurt. He's back now. Um, Talk to us about kind of the skill position players and, and how they have guys that maybe complement Rocco where he's not being asked to step out of his shoes and he can kind of be a, a game manager for lack of a better term. You know, I think that's actually a really good term to describe Rocco Becht is game manager. It's kind of funny. I feel like when we were growing up and we were younger, I feel like we're about the same age. Um, the term game manager was thrown out about quarterbacks and it was like an offensive term, right? Totally. And now I feel like it's become an endearing term. It's like, Hey, if you're a game manager, like that's pretty good. Um, which is kind of funny to see how people's opinions change mm-hmm. on those things. But the people who really elevate him, uh, especially at the receiver position, you're looking at guys like Jalen Knoll, guys like um, uh, Jaden Higgins, two guys who are on the outside most of the time. Higgins is a little bit of a bigger target. He's longer. Um, he's more of a big play threat. He had a touchdown last week at Baylor on the opening possession. He ended up going for about 75, 80 yards. It probably would have doubled if Beck didn't overthrow Higgins on the sideline. They were playing in really wet conditions, and Beck just wasn't as sharp as he's normally been. Uh, but he could have had probably 150 yards and two touchdowns had he completed that pass on the sidelines. But Higgins was really good at Cincinnati. I think he had about 170 yards against the Bearcats. Noel is really consistent. Um, he's had issues with drops earlier in the year. He had two drops against one opponent early in the year. But he's come around. He's a really good safety net. He's regularly open. Um, and he does a good job of fighting for possession, which I think is nice. And then you obviously expect the tight end position to be pretty important in Iowa State's offense. Um, freshman Ben Bramer um, is probably the best playmaker of the group. He's got about 17 or 20 receptions on the year, 240, 250 yards, something like that. Um, and then you're also looking at experienced guys like Easton Dean, Steve Klotz, who are also kind of contributing at tight end. But then running back, like you said, I mean, it's Cartavius Norton um, and Eli Sanders as the top two guys. And then Abu Sama kind of comes in. He's more of a change of pace guy. He won't get a ton of carries on Saturday, I wouldn't expect. But he's someone who has good speed, good vision. He's just a little bit undersized. Um, and he had a fumble last week at Baylor. It's actually the first fumble that Iowa State's lost all season was Samas last week at Baylor. K fans would take that. Just one, the fumble, one fumble the, lost. The, the, the fumbling's been better in the last couple weeks, but that was a big issue for Kansas early in this season and even going back to last season. I think they had a streak of, like five or six games where they lost a fumble consistently. Um, but I think you look at the numbers for Iowa state, right. And it's not necessarily offensively, right. It's not going to 
blow you away, right? In terms of like yards per attempt, they're at, you know, seven, which is 11th in the conference. You look at the rushing yards per attempt, you know, you go down there and they're 11th in the conference at 3.9, but they're finding ways to score. Mm -hmm. So what exactly do you think is like leading to this where you look at the offensive like efficiency numbers and they're not necessarily incredible, but then you look at the point totals they're putting up or they're, I mean, they're getting in the high twenties, low thirties kind of consistently. So, I mean, how are they able to do that when you, again, the face value numbers maybe don't show their very explosive offense? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think it kind of just goes back to the ability to not have negative plays very mm -hmm. often. They're not very, like I said, Beck, Beck doesn't being sacked very often. I think he's only been sacked six times all season, which I believe is the best in the big 12 mm -hmm. um, in terms of like, that's the lowest number that an offensive line has allowed their quarterback to get sacked. So that's big. And then also like their running backs generally aren't losing a lot of yards on runs. Like there might be times where they only gain a yard or they might get stuffed at the line of scrimmage, but it's rare for them to lose three, four, five yards on a carry. And we know how big negative plays are when it comes to stalling drives. And mm -hmm. that's something that I feel like that they've done a really good job of this year is not having negative plays. And then also they're not turning the ball over. Um, Beck, I think has like six interceptions on the year and he had one last week over in the middle against Baylor, but a lot of those came earlier in the season. He had, mm -hmm. I think two against Iowa. I think maybe he had one or two against Ohio, but one of them was late and it was a deflected pass against the Bobcats, but he's mostly been pretty good about not turning the ball over. So if you're not turning the ball over and you're not having negative plays, I think it becomes a little bit easier to sustain drives. And like you said, it's not an offense that I would describe as being explosive, by any stretch of imagination, but they have scored at least 25, 27 points in four of their last five. And the only game they didn't was at Oklahoma. Um, and they scored 20 points mm -hmm. in like basically the first quarter against the Sooners. And then they kind of stalled out the rest of the game, but Oklahoma is a really good team and they have a good defense, especially when they're in Norman. Um, I shouldn't say they have a really good defense. I'm still suspect on their defense, but it was good then it was. Yeah, exactly. They were still kind of tackling at that point, but they, they tackled for the final three quarters. Uh, they did not tackle well in the first quarter when I would say put up basically 20. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I think, I think they do a really good job of not hurting themselves as mm -hmm. basic as it can be. Yeah. And that makes sense, right? If you're a young team, which I remember listening to Campbell talk before this game last year, and he was talking about how young they are. And I look again this year and they're really young again, especially on defense and I think you know how young they are because I covered their recruitments mm -hmm. like Carson Willich, you know, Ekene Azeogu, like most of these guys, I'm like, oh yeah, like I was the one that was covering them and had their commit stories and it still is a young defense, but man, like they are really, really good. You look at the numbers for them, right? And they are kind of the opposite of the offense where you look at the, the yards um, per carry allowed, right? You know, number three in the conference, 3.7 yards per carry allowed. The passing efficiency stuff is really, really good. Um, they're kind of, you know, kind of the, the lower tier. Obviously, they're young, but I think this defense also puts them in a position to have success. So what has allowed this group that I think has a lot of guys that are in their first or second season of really being high snap players to play at a level where they look like the Iowa State defense of, two years ago when they had everybody back. Yeah, it, it, it all starts with the secondary. Um, when you look at where most of their playmakers are, they don't get a ton of pressure up front. They did last week at Baylor. I think they had six or eight tackles for loss, a couple sacks, but Baylor's offensive line is pretty bad. Uh, so it all kind of starts with the secondary for Iowa State. And you're looking at guys like TJ Tampa at corner, Miles Purchase opposite him does a really good job. 
at safety. Jeremiah Cooper is a playmaker to watch. He has five interceptions this season. I think that's second in the country. But there's sign, there's kind of some question about what his availability on Saturday is going to be. He went out against Baylor. One source told me that they think it's not too serious, but Campbell said on Tuesday at his weekly media that it's like 50-50, but you also can't put a ton of stock at what Mike Campbell says about injuries, so you never kind of know. Um, Malik Verdon has been really good at safety as well, and then Bo mm -hmm. Frailer is someone that they love at Iowa State. He's been called the anchor of the defense. He does a really good job on the back end at safety as well, and it, it all starts with the secondary. And then up front, um, you have guys who are making enough plays to get into the backfield, I think, and to cause enough pressure. And they're doing a really good job of stopping the run, like you said, with guys like Dom Orange, um, Akena Iziogu, like you said. Um, Joey Peterson started to play well in the last couple of weeks. And their linebacker play um, with guys like Gary Vaughn, who's, I think, a six-year player, mm -hmm. uh, trusted veteran. Matt Campbell loves him. Uh, he's called him the anchor of like the front half of the defense where it was like Frailer is the anchor of the whole defense. It's kind of how he's described it. And then um, you have Caleb Bacon, who's someone that they really like. He is a former walk-on, but he's one of their better defensive players at this point in the season. And you have a true freshman, Jack Stowski, who's playing at linebacker, but he's kind of had some ups and downs, but he started to play more consistently in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, so, I mean, a consistency, right, is always a big thing for young players. And if you're going to play a lot of young players at the same time, on defense, I feel like consistency can come and go just because that's how it works. If you're a young player trying to learn it, how have they done in terms of that? Have they been very consistent? Has there, have there been lapses in that? What, what does that look like? So when I think of consistency from a defensive perspective, I think of it as like not allowing big plays and then not committing stupid penalties. Mm. And in recent weeks, they've done a really good job of not allowing those things to happen. They got torched at Oklahoma with big plays. I wish I remembered um, the numbers off the top of my head, but I know they had at least three or four pass plays go for at least 35, 40 yards against the Sooners. And we know that's an explosive offense when, when the weather conditions are favorable, but that's like horrible to allow that many big plays. And, and I would say did that. And since that Oklahoma game, they've really done a good job of not allowing them. Baylor had, had a big explosive last week at 69, 70 yard touchdown pass um, from Blake Shaven to Monterey Baldwin. But, you know, aside from that, They've done a really good job of preventing those. And I think what's interesting is TJ Tampa said after the loss to, to Oklahoma that they just were communicating well on the back end and overall as a defense. And I think that that's something that you see with young players and young defenses is they don't communicate well. And I think that that's something that's really kind of come around. John Haycock, their defensive coordinator, has talked about how much better they've communicated. Defensive players have talked about how much more improved that has been over the last couple of weeks. And I don't know how that switch just kind of flips because I feel like it's something that, like you said, kind of comes with experience. Yeah. But this coaches have got them to start talking a lot more on the back end of the defense and they've stopped allowing big plays. Yeah. I feel like the communication will be really big this week because obviously KU's offense puts a lot of pressure on secondaries in particular. And I discipline is such a big thing with trying to stop KU because they try and get everyone's eyes looking in the wrong direction. And then all of a sudden, you know, you've got, Trevor Wilson or or someone running right behind you. Um, when I look at Iowa State, then what does that linebacker play look like? What have they had to say about that this week and being able to have eye discipline? Because this defense, the three three five defense, has given KU a ton of issues right in the run game. I think about the Oklahoma State game. KU's able to hit them for a big place through the air, but on the ground there was nothing to be had. And Baylor last year, Iowa State last year, like KU's not had a lot of success running the ball. And I think a lot of that does come down to, can you get linebackers in the wrong place? So what have you seen from them 
against teams that do use a lot of motion and have the coaches had anything to say about that this week? I don't think they've played a team that does as much motion as KU does, but I don't know if there's a team in the country who uses as much motion as Kansas Fair. does. Uh, Matt Campbell was asked about it on Tuesday, and he kind of talked about, yeah, it's really important for the linebackers to be in the right place and have good eye discipline. But it, this is really coach speak, but I generally agree with it. It it turns into a real 11-on-11 game when you're playing Kansas because of how much they move people around pre-snap and how much they try and confuse people. And that just goes back to communication. And that is one of the biggest concerns that I have for Iowa State's defense heading into this game. Gary Vaughn's really consistent. You know he's probably going to give you a good play. Caleb Bacon will rotate in and out. He's been consistent. But this is a type of challenge that I don't think he's seen very much this year um, with how gifted KU is running the ball and the speed that they have with guys like Bean, Neil, Highshaw. All those guys are gifted runners. And then also, like you mentioned, um, McLaughlin at, at, at linebacker, that's one who's going to be a little bit challenged as well. And I just question the athleticism of these kids matching up against KU's rushers, especially mm -hmm. Bean, because Bean is super fast. And who's going to be asked to make those tackles between, you know, a five and 12 yard gain a lot of times? It's probably going to be the linebackers. And are they going to be able to make those plays? And that's where that's where it becomes really interesting um, Saturday is are the linebackers able to make the plays to keep Kansas from explosive plays? Because I think one of the things that really hurt Oklahoma was allowing explosive plays. I mean, Bean had the 38, 40-yard touchdown run, the game-winning drive. They had a big play over the middle. Um, and then they kind of allowed Devin Neal to score on purpose, I think. I don't really know exactly. But that was an easy 10-yard run right up the middle. Yeah. Um, and then there were some other big plays that Oklahoma allowed. And, you know, Oklahoma hadn't allowed a ton of those this season, and they allowed a lot of them to Kansas. And I think this is an Oklahoma group at linebacker with guys like Danny Stutzman who – is probably better than Iowa State's linebackers, mm -hmm. but there's a different struggle, I guess, when you factor in the conditions it was played in, the conditions that's going to be played in this weekend. I would expect it to be cold. It's been freezing up here all week. Um, and then also it's going to be a night game. It's going to be loud inside of Jack Trice. Yeah, totally. I, I want to hit on special teams because obviously that was a, a big reason why KU was able to win the game last year with the field yeah. goal kicker for Iowa State missing three field goals. I know – Special teams are obviously really important if you're going to try and play the three-phase complementary football that Campbell talks on and on about. Field goal kicking in particular, how have they done there this year? And then walk us through kind of the other special teams unit and kind of your feel for them. Are they units that are consistent? Do they give up big plays? Like, walk us through that. Yeah, Chase Contreras is the exact opposite of what they dealt with last year where they only made like 50, 55% of their field goals. Contreras is like 15 of 19. I think this season he's made eight straight he was really good last weekend at Baylor um, against Cincinnati. He actually had a fake field goal go for a first down uh, designed. Yeah, he ran for it. Everyone loves that when, when kickers are able to get the ball and run. Uh, it's always entertaining. So Contreras has been really consistent. He's got a good leg back in week one against UNI. He had a 61-yard field goal, I believe. He hasn't had to kick field goals from that distance since, but it's good to know that a guy has that kind of leg. I don't know if it'll be that windy. It was pretty windy in week one. Um, Tyler Perkins, a punter, pretty good player. Um, his average punt has kind of started to decrease over the last couple of weeks, which is really interesting. Uh, but he's someone who's consistent. He probably won't shank one at the very least, which I think is kind of what you're asking for out of your punter. I mean, you don't need guys to boom it 65 yards, but if you can give your team 40 to 45, 47 yards, I don't think, uh, any head coach ever complained about that. And then you're talking about KOR and POR stuff. You know, they're pretty consistent there. They're not going to allow, 
I don't think they have a lot of any major returns this year, which I think is always impressive when you play Cooper DeGene in Iowa because mm-hmm. he's really good about doing those True. things. Um, and then they're not someone who's going to return a ton of kicks um, for explosive plays. They just don't have those playmakers on the back end, mm-hmm. um, I think, to really return kicks. I, I don't know if they have the speed back back deep yet to really kind of break one, um, whether that's a punt or a kick. Got it. Well, I, I love what you said there about punting too. KU fans can definitely relate with that. Don't shank it. And that's what yeah. KU had last year as a puncher that shanked it. And now this year, Damon Greaves has been pretty good. You know, he's a guy that I think KU's allowed the, the fewest punt return yards in Big 12 this season. So that's something that I think you, you hit the nail on the head there. So big picture then, what's kind of the big thing you'll be watching? I think for me, it's a question of quarterbacks who can throw the fewest amount of interceptions. I think it's that simple. Because yeah, so Jason, that's a, that's that's a really yeah. interesting one. I'm going to go a little bit further. I know I wrote this mm. um, in some content that went up on your website. I think the time of possession battle becomes really important in this game because I know Kansas wants to be able to run the ball, especially if Beans going to be playing quarterback, which like you've wrote this week, it sounds like he's going to. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if whoever is able to kind of control the time of possession, I think could be in a good position to win this game. If it ends up being kind of even, I don't know how much of an impact it'll really make. But if one team's able to really kind of control and dominate the time of possession battle, I think that that team probably wins. Now, that's most college football games, but I think it really holds true in this game because you're looking at two teams that really want to be able to run the football. Yeah. Um, I know Iowa State's kind of in that bottom tier of most running statistics in the Big 12, and I wouldn't expect that to really change because, like you said earlier, they're not a team that's running for 40 yards a carry. Like, they're not having a ton of explosives. They have a ton of just consistent, like, three, four, five-yard runs. So I think if the, the team that's able to kind of control the time of possession could go a long way in winning Saturday. But like you said, turnovers are going to be important. And then I just kind of want to see, like, do the ghost of Jack Trice at night show up? Because that place at night just has, like, really weird things happen. Um, it, for it's I've experienced it in the past covering games here. Um, when I visited last year, just, like, funky things happened. When K-State mm-hmm. came up to Iowa State, they won but it was a lot more uncomfortable than they probably wanted it to be. There was weird plays that happened in that game. Google Malik Knowles um, fumble at the goal line. If you'd yeah. like to see that, I'm sure KU fans would, um, <laughs> but that's like an example. It's going to be loud. It's going to be full. Um, it's a homecoming crowd. I'll combine mm-hmm. all those things. What kind of effect does that have on the game? Well, I'll tell you what, last time KU played at Iowa state, it was at night and Jason Bean fumbled the ball off his leg. So it sounds like a Jason Bean fourth quarter kind of play. Uh, maybe he redeemed himself last week from all of those because he was he was awesome on the last drive. <laughs> and that's what matters, right? That's what matters. Well, uh, thanks a bunch for taking some time to talk with us today. Where can Kansas fans, if they're trying to get more information on Iowa State, get your perspective on the game? Where can they find you? Yeah, you can obviously find us over at Cyclone Alert. That's a 24-7 sports website. You can find me on Twitter at Alec underscore Bussy. That's B-U-S-S-E. Uh, but yeah, I appreciate you having me on, Mike. Um, always fun, fun to talk about college football. And, uh, you know, November is a great time. And I'm sure we'll be talking about basketball because I know that's what KU fans are, are, are hungry for is the preseason number one team in the country. Yeah, we well, can't wait. We'll see you Saturday, Alec. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does. (laughs) Nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.